and welcome to episode five of the Chilled Esports Podcast. I'm your host here, Eugene Caffin, and I'm joined alongside me, as usual, Mr. Joseph Ray. Joey, how you doing? That's good, man. Um, I'm doing fan-freaking-tastic, but my name's not Joseph. It's actually jhray.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've legally changed my name, like kim.com, to jhray.com. Yep. I'll, uh, <laughs> I need to see the documents before I believe it. And uh, I'm also uh, joined again here by our good friend Christian. Christian, how are you doing, man? I'm good, thanks, mate. That's good, that's good. We've all had a fun week in Blizzard this week, I take it. Yeah, oh, definitely. I definitely had a fun week, yeah. Yep, good, good. So, let's just jump straight into it, guys. Our week in Blizzard, um, as usual. Uh, I'm selfish, so I'm going to go first. Um, you know, what I've been so doing selfish. this week... Well, I, you know, I am the host. Um, Hearthstone. <laughs> Hearthstone has been going well for me, guys. I've been hitting so the Hearthstone ladder. You've been playing the cards. I have been playing the cards. You are correct, good sir. You've uh, been believing in the heart of the cards? You know, okay, Christian, I always believe in the heart of the cards until it fucks oh, me that's over. That's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and then I throw it out. Fuck the heart of the cards. This is bullshit. It's all, it's all chats. <laughs> there aren't any friendship talks that, that can get me out of this. <laughs> yeah. No, there's always a friendship talk that can get you out of it, man. Yeah. All right, so, so what's going on with the cards? What's going on with the cards? Yeah, so I've been currently doing the grind, and I have reached rank 20, which is, like, pretty good Pretty good for me. I've done it in, like, some pretty minimal games, and I have been on some really cool. good win streaks. Um, and I I just can't help but praise the even side of things. Yeah. Is it even Paladin? You know what? It's not even it's not even Paladin this time. I have Holy been shit. playing an even Shaman list, which is just really really cool. That's what the fuck different. does that even do? Yeah. So the whole power behind it is obviously the even decks in Shaman. You reduce your hero power to one. So that means yep. that you are going to be uh, putting down a totem essentially every turn, and it just helps with refilling the board with annoying minions or, or like essentially good minions. There's always um, a couple of totems that are always a bit of bit duds depending on the situation. Um, in particular yeah. for this deck, the spell power one is a bit of a dud. Thing is, we don't run yep. too many spells, but there are some really powerful minions that I put in here, and um, it's just been winning games, man. I don't know what to say. It's been doing like it's been doing really, really well for me. It's probably people aren't. Um, it's probably coming out of left field because most people are watching HCT and looking at the top deck lists and saying, mm. "What if, what even is a shaman? I, I don't know what that class is," and uh, and they're not ready for um, to see a shaman combo, so they, so they don't know exactly what to counter or what to expect out of it. Yeah, very true. Um, we are going to talk about the HCT later, and yep, shaman is uh, very underrepresented. Let's just say we'll go over the exact numbers later. Um, but yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, I think that's what it is. Um, the big thing as well is that because it's an even deck, we are missing out on some um, some key components, especially for like one that you would want for a lot of minions is um, is bloodlust because that's a five mana. So I can't yeah. I can't bloodlust you know smash face win the game, um, but I can drop a lot of minions and do a lot of cool things. In particular, I do have access to two silences, which mm -hmm. help me out in certain matchups, which we will talk about later. So you'd say it's more of a control style deck? Um, 
it is a little bit of a tempo deck is what i will say there are some cards there a in tempo particular deck, okay. yeah in particular um there are a few cards that especially the eel that you get to gain two damage if you only have even cost cards and um yep. i i think it's all about you know generating tempo keeping it up um as well as having some other tools to deal with um minions because you do have access to hex um the nerf on hex mm -hmm. a little while ago which buffed it to four mana actually helped us out <laughs> so if it was three mana before <laughs> i wouldn't be able to put it in this deck but the nerf actually helped us out so that was pretty good um and I had a good talk with um, with Joey uh, a couple of days ago, and he convinced me to uh, craft a Shutterwalk. So I now have a Shutterwalk no, shower that I'm going to play, and I, I haven't nice. played any. Yeah, I haven't played any games yet, and they have recently just fixed up the uh, the Shutterwalk problem. So they've sped up all the animations, and in particular the Life Drinker um, animation, so that it's a lot faster, mm -hmm. uh, and so you can get your combo off a lot a lot better. So I'm really looking looking forward to playing with that one the um the one problem that i'm going to bring up here and we'll talk about it a little bit later i i i'm feeling passionate today about this is um Ooh, passion i oh man i when i was playing my even shaman deck i ran into my good old buddy the fucking key block oh boy the fucking key block nice <laughs> so i ran into so that did, that how, old boy how did your tempo how did your tempo match up against the ultimate control? Well, see, the thing shit, about it, the thing about it is, is that I had answers to almost everything that he was doing. I, I, um, I hexed the um, the summoner that was going to bring out a void lord on turn five. You know, oh I, damn! I made sure to deal with as many void lords as I could. Um, yep. But in the end, he basically had he drew his entire deck, right? And I had drawn almost my entire deck. I think I was down to like one or two cards. And he was down to oh, like pretty much nothing. Yeah, it was close to fatigue. But obviously, yeah. you know, after he'd drawn all of his cards, guess what he has? Good old Blood Reaver Gul'dan, which means he gets all of his demons <sighs> back and just, you know, OTKs ah. me with all of his things. So I dealt with all the ah. cubes. I hexed the cubes, you know, I hexed all... I, ah. I played it almost perfectly. That's disgusting. Um, Yeah, pretty gross. And uh, yeah, he just... Blood River uh, so you know, so that was uh, that was a bit that was a bit BS in my opinion. But that's just a, that's just how the deck goes. That's my personal experience, and uh, it's probably yeah. one that a lot of people are having right now. So it's kind of it's kind of shitty. Um, on a on a lighter yeah, note, yeah, cube pretty gross. On a lighter note, um, we did have some games this week of Heroes, and in particular, I was really enjoying playing um playing a lot of the tanks this time. I ended up playing four four or five games with you guys and i remember just playing mostly tanks um and yeah man playing some of the popular tanks is just really awesome right now especially um i really like diablo diablo is like one of my old faves and he's like mm -hmm. really strong at the moment as well as uh garrosh i always always like garrosh and um was doing pretty getting well up in people's faces all day yep getting up people's well faces. if you as a garrosh fan you'll be happy to know that uh garrosh was in his prime in the in the eu league mm. No, I did, for the, I did for the, see. For the Crucible. I did yeah. see, Joey. You, you, one could say he's a strong hero, no? No, he sucks. <laughs> he's 100% he's, he's counterable. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think so. Uh, anyway, my opinions aside, yeah. I, I don't think it's easily counterable. I think there's just an ease of use there that is the problem. Yeah. 
Anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely had fun playing the Heroes games with you guys. I was having fun playing uh, DPS, actually, which is new for me. I'm normally support main. Yeah, yeah, you life. like playing a lot of that, I remember. I remember. Well, why don't we just um, skip over to you, Jory? How's your week been in Blizzard? So my week in Blizzard, I actually managed to catch up with a good friend of ours, um, and we played a hell of a lot of Overwatch together, just spamming Overwatch games over and over again. And I got placed. So I have done my Overwatch placements. Mm-hmm. I am placed. Da da da. Here is a man coming in from the east. They say he's a gunslinger, getting headshots all day, every day, constantly going up elos. They call him. The bronze hero. <laughs> the bronze I, league hero. The 650 hero. <laughs> yeah, my, my Watch League 650. <laughs> yep, beautiful. Headshots so, all day. The good, news, the good news is it, it only gets better from here. So I'm, I'm keen to play a lot of really potato Overwatch games. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was really having fun playing overwatch and i was having fun playing heroes with you guys and you know what i think stealing my valor build from uh who did i steal it from i'm pretty sure i stole it off method mm-hmm. stealing my valor build off method i really like i really like auto, auto attack valor um going uh manticore at level 16 and far flight quiver level 20 she is fucking strong. Like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I I just always have hatred, and it's great. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just hating on my enemies and just 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 you know machine gunning out crossbow bolts uh, as if I'm as if they, as if it's going out of fashion. Mm. And you just do so much damage and you get so many kills, and it's like ah. I I'm do prefer the other build I'm... though. Just just saying. Well, the the W build. No, no, Q build. Keep, oh, keep, yeah. I've done Q-Build a few times, but the problem is you have to aim it, but with um, <laughs> auto-attack, you don't have to aim. You just, uh-huh. you, you yeah. just well, I mean, stop worrying. And, if you're at 650, uh, and over, the, if you're at 650 in Overwatch, I think you uh, yeah, you need to reduce the aiming, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good at using this thing called a mouse pointer. I, I, I just like move it, and then my hand goes all funny, and it's... Mm. <laughs> I'm shooting something else. Um, I have to say though, I'm not a fan of the of the tracer rework. Oh, really? You don't like I the whole yeah, um, I... auto attack base? No, she's um she's much better as a. So the way I see tracer is she's a she's a combo mage effectively, but she she sort of dives in and and does a combo in two seconds and then ease out. Um, but they but they nerfed her combo basically by nerfing the pulse bomb. So her whole thing would be building up a pulse bomb, and then you and then you QQQ W W R to do maximum damage, but it just felt so lackluster after um, after the rework. I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't like Tracer for her auto attacks. I like her for the for the big and you know those goodbye Nazebo. But man, I was chasing Decker Kane all fucking day, and I couldn't kill. And I don't know if it's it's because Decker Kane got a buff or if Tracer got a nerf or a combination of the two, but I I didn't have fun playing Tracer. 
Well, I think that I think was I, their I, overall I, I thing. I might like if I try again. Yeah, man. I think it's basically where Blizzard wanted it to go for heroes. Like they base they identified that what you just described is extremely unfun for everybody but Tracer. So what? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So what? What's your point? So one person's experience versus the other you know, the other nine. Um Absolutely. I mean, not so much your team, but for the enemy team. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of obnoxious to be able to come in and do that amount of damage with very low risk. I do understand that, but the, but there are there are always counters like um, uh, medieval shield or or Tassadar shield or and trace can only do that to certain targets. She can only do it to squishies, so it's not. It was it was very strong and it didn't even work, but mm, I think they've gone too far the other way. I, I don't like her as an auto attacker. Okay. Well, I mean, I can understand both, um, but I think the biggest one was actually the uh, nerf to a recall, which I thought you would be more pissed about. To be honest, um, because I'm a scrub, I don't use recall that much. <laughs> I only use it. To, I only use it to like to like finish off my combo and get the fuck out of dodge after I drop my bomb. Mm, okay. That's pretty much what it should be used for. Is to as basically an exit from a fight. Um, or if you're dueling someone as a, a repositioning tool, if, if you're intelligent about its use. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, one of the hard things is Tracer is, is sort of remembering where, you're, um, where you were five seconds ago. Because <laughs> you might recall into the enemy tower. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what always you, the risk. What about you, Christian? Have you had a go at Tracer in um, Heroes? And what do you think about her current playstyle? I've always enjoyed Tracer in Heroes. Um, I haven't played her recently, but if if there have been nerfs, um, you know, I, I guess it's a bit of a bummer. Um, but I think her, her playstyle will more or less be the same. Um, I, I think she'll still be able to do what she needs to do, albeit uh, a little bit less effective. But you know, you might just have to call on your team a little bit more and and act in unison with them a bit more, um, mm. rather than just going for the solo kills all the time. Yeah, sure. I uh, I also have to highlight this because I don't know if you guys know it yet, but they are going to be changing Tracer a little bit. Do you guys do you guys know what they're changing? No, I don't. What are they changing? Um, so now you're going to be able to see the enemy and everyone is going to be able to see where Tracer is recalling to. Oh wow, that is a big um, that is a big deal actually. So sort of like um, using other mobas to do, do like um, Echo, like how he, how he, how he always see his shadow, like chasing, chasing along? No, it's more like how false, you see where Falstad is going to be flying to. There's, there'll oh, just be like a visual okay. indicator on the floor. All right, cool. Yeah, so basically when she hits the button, there'll be an indicator showing where she's going to um, reappear. Well, I guess There's already an animation bad. though. No, but mm, it's before maybe. the animation. So as soon as she hits the button, oh. there's going to be uh, an right. indicator as to where she's going to be. I guess okay. that allows for a bit more counterplay um, on the part yeah. of the opponent. So, you know, it, it. I guess it's a little bit more fair. And Tracer players will just have to adapt to it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's totally fine in my book. Like, I'm doing enough I'm like, I'm visual is... stuff. I'm fine with it as long as they as long as they buffer uh, her AA damage. I thought they did. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want more. I want more auto attack or like increase her clip size or something. Yeah. Because it I, when I play Tracer, I feel like I'm just 
I am ninety percent of the game reloading. Like, like that's how I feel when I when I uh, pal around this tracer. Mm. Okay. Well, that could be something they can tweak. I'm not sure if they will, but I think once they see how Trace is performing in uh, in current like Curia League and whatnot, I think they might you know make a judgment call about what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I trust them. So what's going on with you, Christian? What, what have you been up to this week? Well, I did my Overwatch placements as well. Um, and oh, I was a little nice. bit disappointed with, with where I um, ended up, but it, it wasn't surprising. Um, so I ended up in uh, 1560, so uh, the bottom end of Silver League, which is slightly Carry below me where I... Yeah, Carry me much. senpai. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But um, it, it's, it's pretty much where you, know, you expect to um, place every... Because with, with the placements in Overwatch... They usually place you just a little bit below where you finished up last season. Yeah. Um, which a bit, I was a little bit disappointed because I thought I played a lot better in my placements than I did um, in season nine. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, them's the breaks. I then promptly um, lost 60, F 60 FSR, so I'm down to 1500, so I'm just on the cusp of going into bronze. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit Tension. afraid to, to play my next match yep. as I get demoted, but, you know, such is life. <laughs> Yeah, such um, as yeah, but as a part of that, I've been learning a few new heroes. So, um, specifically, well, Soldier Seventy Six. Yeah, um, Reinhardt and Anna. So, just trying a few different roles. Uh, you know, I really like the. I really like the long range healing Anna brings because um, it's sort of. I, I I didn't really feel it in Heroes of the Storm because that's where I first played her, but when you're in Overwatch, it's a lot stronger than it is in Heroes. It's the, like, just the ability to heal at a sniper's range is just incredible. Uh, yeah. and that's what I felt. It, could you tell me your like sort of first impressions? Well, yeah. Well, I, I started um, started playing Soldier Seventy Six and and thinking about mm -hmm. his positioning, and uh, pretty quickly became apparent that Anna would use similar positioning um, during a match. So I picked her up as well, and being able to to heal from across the map is really powerful. Um, and it mm -hmm. sort of changed the way that I've looked at. Um, healers and supports in in Overwatch a little bit, um, so yeah, really enjoying mm. playing her and then um, Reinhardt as well is a is a bit of a challenge too uh, because at the moment <laughs> with um, Brigitte stun meta, um, Reinhardt's just get bashed around a lot and, and killed. But I think Reinhardt is still a really important character to be able to play. Yeah, I think so too. I think he fits into a lot of strategies, in particular ones that are good at you know the seeding that we got, um, especially when you you know. You can do the uh, the Bastion Cheese, which is just really powerful, you know, at low levels when people can't deal with it. Yeah, definitely. My meta definitely cannot deal with Bastion Cheese. Holy shit. Mm. <laughs> I should just spam Bastion and, and then tape down the left mouse button and win every game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is a bit sad. <laughs> Good old Bastion. It is, it is a yeah, bit sad. Yeah, apart from Overwatch. Yeah, apart from Overwatch, I've been playing some Heroes of the Storm as well. Um, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, playing support for a change. Mm. Really been enjoying Ooh, playing Cassadar, and I'm hoping to pick up Anna in uh, Heroes as well uh, sometime soon and give her a go. Um, yeah, that should be cool. Her um her sniper ult is pretty cool. The one where she uh she sort of gets six shots, which, and she can just fire them anywhere. The um the the global range sniper shots. Yeah, I have Horus. Yeah. Yep, I have Horus. Seems pretty it. sweet. But yeah, that's um apart from that, I've just been trying to get back into Hearthstone, so uh, looking to build a Warlock deck. 
Sorry, Eugene. Oh, so, uh, so, so, so what do you find out about um, what do you find out about Tassada, by the way? Because you're playing more Tassada. Um, oh, he's pretty much like I, I remember playing him uh, a while back. Yeah. Uh, cool. I just really like his his more reactive play style, uh, being able to to shield in coming damage and the barriers. Archon, and, and... Uh, Archon or Force Wall? Always Force Wall for me. Yeah, I think I think Tassada's. Especially with the Diablo synergy, you can uh, force wall, and then Diablo smashes smashes the opponent into the force wall. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. In particular, um, and, as well, uh, guys, the uh, cooldown is also something to take into account here with force wall. It's a pretty low cooldown, and it and it gets pretty ridiculous when you upgrade it at level twenty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think um, the the strength of Tassadar is is that utility to to zone enemies with psionic storm and. Um, the force wall in particular, and also his ability to um, to shield. He gets double storms at level thirteen, doesn't he? Um, I, I think there's a, a talent. Yeah, that there can is take a double that. storm. Yeah, there is a talent. I'm not sure what tier it is. It's thirteen or sixteen, yeah. and it does synergize really well with his level one if you can get it uh, done pretty quickly. Yeah, it's really stupid. <laughs> so many storms. It's like, oh fuck this storming fields. Um, the key, the key thing to note there, Joey, is that they don't stack on top of each other. Ah, oh, okay. So you don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you so, don't so that's take just an elo thing, because I always, I always see Tassadas double stacking their um, double stacking their, their storms. I'm like, holy shit, they're doing so much damage. No, 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 it's not. Um, it's basically okay. just for coverage. If you stack them on top of each other, I don't think it deals double damage. I think it. it no, only, I don't think so either. Yeah, it only deals damage in that one circle. It's just so you can spread them around a bit. Yeah, sure, sure. I get you. And so a good player will will stagger the storms so that you know a, a retreating enemy team or whatever will have to move through both storms in order to to move out of the area. Yeah, of course. So you said you were building a Hearthstone deck. Yeah, so I'm. I really like Warlock. Um, it's my favorite mm -hmm. class in Hearthstone. So I'm trying to build a, a Warlock Zoo deck at the moment. <laughs> yep. I'm not going to go down the um, <laughs> yep. the uh, the dark path. It's fine. Um, He's treading lightly. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a Hearthstone noob. So I think that um, I think that Zoo is a good deck to to practice. You know, effective trades and um, establishing a board state and and you know all mm. those um, those fundamentals. Yeah, absolutely. I think so as well. It's um, it's almost the deck that you recommend for people that are starting out. One that's like very board centric, um, so that yeah, like you were saying, you can get used to all those you know interactions that you need to manage. Um, yeah, I just I think it's I think it's the way to go. As much as it pains me to say warlock, and I know it's your favorite class, but I'd, yeah, it wouldn't catch me doing it. <laughs> well, it has the best class ability in the game by far. There's nothing better than, you know, pay two life, draw a card. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, okay, so here's the thing. I think it, you are coming from, like, a card game and magic background where that is absolutely true. Um, however, I would counter your argument in saying if I could um, if I could spend two mana to get two dudes, then buff two dudes, it could be better than drawing a card. That's true, because you are technically getting two cards at a time. But Yeah, there are ones that are, you know equivalent or gaining two life you know the warrior one is just i spend two mana to gain two life which is quite strong yeah, yeah. so there are there are I just like drawing ones. cards i know i know you like drawing cards i mean i can't blame you drawing cards is always fun 
yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. Pretty much it for you. All right, cool, man. Cool. Sounds like you're going down a good path of trying to do deck, and I like it. Um, so speaking of Hearthstone, this week was the HCT Americas playoffs. Did any of you manage to uh, catch any of the games at all? No, I had to miss them this week because of Mother's Day. Yeah, Mother's Day got in the way. Mm, yep, very true. I mean, I did manage to catch a little bit. It did start at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I wasn't really awake too much, but I did <laughs> I did manage to see uh, some during during today. But what I thought was interesting that I thought I'd you know uh, give an insight for you guys is the breakdown of all the different classes. So if we have a look, and I'm getting my um, mm-hmm. statistics from uh from one of the heroes websites it's hearthpone uh on hearthpone if you have a look at um all the decks and i'd recommend anyone go there if you want to see what professionals are playing what decks and their builds that they're using um of the tournament there were 66 warlocks being broke uh that were being brought to the table oh wow yep 22 percent of the field is warlock and i imagine that almost every single person will have a warlock in their lineup that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so many warlocks. That's a lot. And um, it's they a do, good class, Christian. They do vary a little. <laughs> they do vary a little. Some consider themselves control, and some consider themselves cube. If you're doing cube, it means that you're really focusing on the uh, almost the OTK on version the and using the kind of risk cubes to do things. If you're control, you want to try uh, winning using Rin, the last disciple. Yep, and you know, sort of controlling your way to the end, um, and they're both insanely powerful and really popular decks right now. So, and I have some things to say, but we'll talk about that later. Um, second up is Druid, uh, which there were mm-hmm. sixty of them, but just a little bit under, about twenty percent, um, with a shit ton of spiteful Druid, and a, and some. I'm really surprised that Druid came in before uh, Paladin. I thought Paladin would be um, after Warlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, same. that's what I would have thought as well. Um, except, I don't know, man, people love the Spiteful Druid, and I think it's because of the consistency of the Spiteful Summoner. Because they yeah. only run one uh, spell, Ultimate Infestation, that's 10 mana, Spiteful Summoner is going to summon them a random 10-drop from the game, and there's only yeah. about four different 10-drops in, in the game in Standard currently. So you're either going to mm-hmm. get an 8-8, eight, eight, a 7-14, or a 12-12, and those are just your options. Hmm, so that'll beca- that'll actually become weaker when the next uh, set comes out, right? Because there might be more 10-drops, which, which would sort of subtly nerf the Spiteful Summoner. Yep, possibly. So um, the more 10-mana cards we get in, the less predictable Spiteful Summoner is going to be. <laughs> In particular, if you mm-hmm. have a very understated 10-mana card, which doesn't really happen too often, to be fair. But yeah. if that does happen, then yeah, it will nerf the Spiteful, um, the spiteful Summoner. Um, just card in general. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, Obviously, next is the good old Paladin, which came in. Uh, mostly even, but... Reporting been... for duty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mostly even, but some uh, Murloc, um, which is not that surprising it's not as powerful as it used to be but it's still it's still going pretty good um and just so you know does anybody mm-hmm. oh actually you guys you guys can see the stats but yeah i just wanted to highlight the bottom three um classes that were represented 
So if we have a look, uh -huh. there are in total <laughs> a grand total of three shaman decks. Yes. Three. Three wow. shaman decks in all of pro in all of pro all of pro HCT Americas. Yep, three That's of them. Crazy. There were six hunters. And well, Gene, only eight warriors. Gene, the important thing is, did the shamans win? Um, I'm not quite sure. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to see any <laughs> shaman games, to be honest. <laughs> I haven't had a chance yeah, to see well, them, so, you know. Well, well, that's really cool, right? Because that means the shaman keeps getting uh, banned out because it's so powerful. Uh, sure. No, everyone's banning the rogue. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's be honest yeah. here. Nobody wants to play against Quest yeah. Rogue, so everyone's just banning the rogue. Um, what I will say though, is that speaking of rogue, there are some odd rogues that are running around, which is, you know, refreshing when there's just a sea of quest rogues everywhere that, you know, people are going to be bringing a different rogue to the, to the table to try and, um, catch people out if they, you know, think that they can beat a quest rogue and so don't ban it. Um, or they ban it thinking that it's a quest rogue, but it's secretly just odd. So, um, yeah, is, well, that's what yeah. I'm sort of thinking, like, just because you ban a class, it doesn't necessarily not mean you know what cards are in there, right? Mm. I mean, you say, I don't want to play Rogue here. But, or, you know, you think, you, you, you think you're going to play against the Quest Rogue because they're going to, like, you know, insta-pick Rogue. Mm. But actually, it's going to be, you know, just something out of left field. Like, I remember um, what, the games we saw, there was uh, Paladin, and we thought it was going to go Odd Paladin because that was really strong at the time. Uh, but it turned out to be Murlocs. Mm. And it's like wow! <laughs> I just wasn't expecting Murlocs to, to to come out of this guy. Yeah, yeah, very true. So I think it is a little bit of that where you're preparing for a quest rogue, but instead you get some random variant of odd rogue, and yeah. it just surprises people and can just take wins. It's a good psych out, right? Because um, I'm assuming odd rogue is not a control rogue. No, absolutely not. If you um, if you upgrade your hero power, it's very different than um. Uh, it could be control, but it's it is mainly a tempo and board centric um thing. I do have a list, yeah. and you guys can check it out on HS Replay. But um, you very rarely run anything over five mana, so it is really about mm -hmm. being aggro and um using your weapon to control the board or hit face. Yep. Mm. Anyway, so one match that I wanted to highlight. Which really, really sort of, you know, put the nail in the coffin for me going, Warlock is the shittest class, was um, I was watching, um, <laughs> I was watching it's Frozen, not. I was watching Frozen vs. Ute, man, okay, so I watched this guy, this guy play Spiteful Druid twice in a row, the first yep. match, um, he was up against something else, I forget, and his Spiteful Druid wasn't doing too well, you know, it was, it, 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 it fell behind and he lost. So he went yep. spiteful druid, and he decided, and he was going up against this guy's, um, this guy's control warlock, and mm -hmm. I, I was watching this game, and it went for like forty-five minutes or something like that. Obviously, they were doing the standard, like Hearthstone player of staring at the screen until the rope burns out, but <laughs> but I I just there was no amount of spiteful, there was no amount of board control. There was no amount of sequencing properly that could help this guy win against um, this. I think I think it was a control lock. I'm pretty sure it was a control warlock. Um, yeah, where he could just win the game at all. Like he even had you know Malfurion the Pestilent going. 
you know, there was, oh, there really? was, yeah, there was Death Knight on Death Knight. He dealt with most of the guy's board. He dealt with everything properly, but the Warlock just had way too many tools. And I remember myself watching the game and I was watching it without sound. Um, and I, cause I just mm -hmm. didn't want to hear the commentators and I'm looking at, uh, and I'm looking at the, the Warlock player's hand and I could see mm -hmm. at least five different ways that the Warlock could deal with the other person's board at any one time. Yep. Like there was just Warlocks. multiple ways of like sequencing <laughs> and you know, they can gain like 24 life or something stupid like that in a particular game. And that's without, that's without taking into account blood river Gul'dan. Um, yep. So the question is, are, are you expecting nerfs to be incoming? I am expecting nerfs to be incoming. Um, there are, they, they have said, and Blizzard have, um, come out and said that there are certain cards that are on the chopping block, uh, ones that they're keeping an eye on. And um, the ones in particular, they didn't actually say Void Lord because I think Void Lord is actually like just a normal card. But um, there are quite a few that they were thinking about doing. Um, they were more focused a little bit on Paladin with, with Call to Arms that we've mentioned before. But yeah, there is a list that was posted by XR, one of the developers at Hearthstone. Um, and they were looking at some of the pieces of of this of this deck um, but in particular i think what they're trying to nerf is not the actual powerful cards you know the ones that they're using um but just being able to get them out before they're meant to see there's nothing worse than it's turn five and you have a nine mana card which is like um what six twelve worth of stats actually more than that yeah for sure more than that it's like um 618 worth of stats on turn six. Well, it is actually a careful Crazy. balancing act, right? Because when you say a powerful card or a bullshit card, what, you, what you're actually saying from somebody else's point of view is a really fun card. So um, the game design is often is obviously centered around getting these quote-unquote fun combos off. Mm. But I mean, um, here's but, the thing, Joey, is that there's the, risk versus but, but, reward, right? But they have right? to in a way that's fair, that, that enables counterplay. Otherwise, it's, you know, yeah, it's obviously right. bullshit. And you're going to be on the okay. other side of it. So, so here's the counterplay. I want you to look at any deck mm -hmm. that's currently a competitive deck that isn't running a silence effect in it. Um, I'm not going to find... I'm going to find a silence in every deck, aren't I? Yeah, you are. Why? to silence the summoner yep to silence the summoner to silence the void lord to silence the cube to silence whatever yep. like huge fuck off thing that warlocks are doing yeah yep like it's it's in every single deck that can fit it unless you're running odd if you're running odd then i think you're a bit boned but um most even decks are running um some form of silence whether it's the owl or the um or the silence dude the spellbreaker i believe so um i really i really think that there is some a lot of room for improvement and they are actually like blizzard has said that they're going to be targeting a few key cards and i encourage you guys to go have a look if you're if you're um if you want to go see which ones but i just i can't wait and it's going to be done after hct so yeah i think i think it's well, just a little too late i think mostly the point i was trying to make was that you don't want to nerf the combo by itself per se. You just want to slow it down. So, like, you, mm. you don't want to change 
fact that cube interacts with the void lord in this way you just don't want them to get that combo until say turn 10 or turn 11 yeah yeah like it's it's very like that that's exactly the thing like you don't want them to get in the combo before they should and i think yeah. that's like yeah it's something that they're looking at because I have to say, well, when I first saw Keyblock go off and the, there's just a million Void Walkers on the field, I'm like, this is the best card ever. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, so, Christian, have you seen a, uh, a Keyblock game at all or seen it in play? I've watched a video of it and I, I do agree with Joey. It is quite disgusting to watch when, when it goes off. Mm. <laughs> Very true. So um, I do understand. Like I, I can imagine, like coming from a magic background and and specifically playing degenerate combo decks, um, I, I can see the appeal in those kind of decks, and it's probably something that I'd really enjoy playing. Um, but yeah, I can understand why they'd want to that sometime soon if it is having a really negative impact upon state of play. Mm. I mean, like, there's just a couple of things for me. Like, I basically just want to round out my like big, you know, rant is that. It's it any type of warlock at the moment, except for Zoo, is meta defining. It's controlling the cards that other people have to put in their decks. Um and not only that, there are just way too many tools for for a for a one class to have. Like being able to summon all your dudes, clear every single board state, you know, it's it just seems it just seems pretty gross. And having not only like a really good hero power and you get to draw cards, but then you get to like lifesteal all of that back and more. Like it, when you get to heal your entire health bar, you know, your entire health bar back in a single game, I think that's a bit gross. I know that other classes can do it. Um, it just seems that they also don't get all of the other things that Warlock has. So um, that's, just, that's just my argument overall. And um, yeah. That's how, that's how I generally how I feel about it. So hopefully Blizzard do get on that. Um, on uh, on a happy note though, on a happy note, once all the Warlock games are out of the way, um, HET is actually pretty fun to watch. So I'd recommend that you guys all <laughs> you guys all go have a watch. In particular as well, I did mention some Odd Rogue, um, but there was also a Recruit Warrior. So of the eight warriors that were um, that were in the deck, I did watch a Recruit Warrior, which was quite fun, and um, and some of the other decks. Uh, as well as like control priest is also another really fun really fun deck to watch about managing resources and being able to use all these properly so it is a very controlling meta and the warlock is king but once those are out of the way i think some of the other matches are actually really really fun to watch cool beans mm. all right guys definitely check that out yeah 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 for sure so i'd recommend that everyone sort of check it out all right i think it's time to move on Two, our favorite game. Heroes Esports. Yep, Heroes Esports. Um, so if we have a look at it, guys, uh, there was actually a uh, a recent patch that I think I want to talk about a little bit before we get onto what was happening in any of the esports at the moment. Yeah, take us through the recent patch, man. So a lot of people got nerfed. <laughs> really? I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think we said it pretty well last time and the time before mm -hmm. uh, that there are people that needed nerfs, in particular some two supports. And man, yep, yep they hit the nerf, they had the nerf bat hard. Fucking pick man, these guys. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, so Malfurion and Stukov got nerfed. Yeah. People in saying that, though, and... in, in yep. saying that, though I, I think Malfurion is still playable. Like, playing him post-nerf um, still felt quite powerful. It, it just requires a little bit more management uh, of his abilities now, I think. Mm. Well, the Malfurion nerf, I think, was more of a HGC thing because... Um, it was just a nerf to his health and, and a little bit to his throughput. So obviously in lower leagues, um, especially where you know where, where we're situated, um, people can't really execute on the blow up on a single person. So um, that's where you would really feel the the nerfs to Malfurion is in a um, a league where people can focus fire really well. In a league like we're in, I think the focus fire is a bit less. So he's still completely viable and. I know that you had a lot of success with him when we were running him the other night, Christian. Yeah, I still felt that he was quite strong. Um, obviously, yeah, like you said, the, the throughput is definitely less. Um, but I think if your uh, Moonfire is is on point, is managing the regrowths as best you can, and um, I guess preempting damage as well, so making sure that those regrowths are up um, on the right targets at the right time. Mm. Um, I think it's yeah i think he's still very much viable yeah i think so as well um i think it just puts him in line with a lot of others and i think it'll open up um the heroes esports to new picks soon so hopefully this one will be live when they go to the different clashes and we can actually see you know some different supports out there because you know i really Riga. i really want to see some diversity um yeah that is my pers- that is my personal pick Ariel is probably not i still don't think Ariel, but my personal pick is that yeah. Rhaegar will be much higher on the pick bands than he has been previously karazim <laughs> maybe karazim I'm not maybe sure. <laughs> um as well, guys, there is a Diablo rework incoming. Have any of you guys seen this? There was a video up on the launcher no. before. Actually, tell yeah, I, I think I did get, get to catch it. It's, it looks pretty boss. Mm, yeah, yeah, tell us about it, Joey. Well, Fire Stomp is now aimable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did see that, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah Fire Stomp is now aimable. So, um... I think the I think the secret sex of Firestop now being a- aimable, because I think there's a secret sex here, and they and they displayed it pretty well in the um in the clip, where Diablo Firestomps in a direction, and as the fire's coming back, it's doing triple damage. Mm, yeah, yeah, I did hear I did hear that. That is quite cool. And you can, and because Diablo is such a good uh, chess player, like he he repositions like a chess piece. Um, you can reposition Diablo in such a way. That all of your fires hit your target, so you you sort of fire stomp in a direction, charge the, charge the opposite direction, and as your fire's going back, you you flip you flip to flip the enemy hero into all of your fires, and that's your new max damage combo. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely saw that, and there is definitely a new maximum damage combo. Um, the other thing mm. to note, Christian and Joey, is that now when he charges, he doesn't gain any armor, but he does gain move speed. <laughs> yeah, so you, you're no longer come back so I can kill you, mortal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really positive thing, actually. It's um, I think that'll actually work to his benefit. 
Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's the thing that Joey was saying. No longer are you just like this kiteable, you know, big fuck off dude. Go, oh, I want to flip you, but I can't. <laughs> Mortal, come back. <laughs> Actually, the really annoying thing was um, I would always charge, and I'd be like a little bit slow or or second guess myself on uh, on hitting flip, and mm. <laughs> they'd just get out of range, and I'd be like, oh crap. Yeah. Fuck from combo. Yeah. The the. <laughs> The trick there is uh, pre-casting it, Joey. No, but I'm second-guessing, right? Like, like I'm like, oh, is this a good idea? No, probably not. Oh, uh, it was. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's <fair. laughs> well, like, that's normally the sequence where where I fuck it up. <laughs> mm. Actually, the the super secret text of Diablo is is flipping before you charge, and that's the that's the Zen, mm. like Zenyatta moment. Yep. Yep. Um. <laughs> So one thing that I will mention as well, uh, which brings me to my point afterwards, is that he's now losing the percentage damage uh, uh, talent. Really? Yes, he is. Yep. So That's no, interesting. So no longer will you cause percentage-based damage up to 15% uh, when you charge uh, heroes into a wall. Um, so that brings I... me to the problem of the, the war chief, Mr. Garrosh. Is he just gonna be able to like go wherever he wants now and not really fear too many other warriors? Um, I don't think Garrosh gives a fuck about anybody, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real with you. I, um, well, yeah, with that, it's like the only guy who can really stand toe to toe with Garrosh is having a a giant noodle fight with Varian. Um, and I don't think anybody wins because I because I, I I think they just smack each other for for fifteen minutes and nothing happens. Mm, like, yeah, like, like and I think that's I, I think that's Garrosh's worst matchup at the moment. apart from Chogol, but that doesn't count because Chogol's two heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chogol doesn't quite count for that. So it is it is uh, a little interesting that because um, because re realistically, realistically, Garrosh v Johanna. Johanna doesn't do nearly the damage. Garrosh v Anubrak. I mean, Anubrak's going to be going to be speedling away as soon as possible because he doesn't want to go toe to toe with Garrosh. Um, Anubrak, uh, Garrosh versus Diva. What's Diva going to do? <laughs> use a use a tickle beams or or like the please don't shoot me please don't shoot me zone. Mm. I mean, yeah, the, I don't see it. I think he's I think he's the strongest hero. Uh, at least strongest uh, tank v tank um hero. Mm, I think so. I think the whole he gets stronger as he gets weaker thing is um, deceptive on what he's got going for him. Well, yeah, the, like that's the thing. Like Anubrak's going to think that he's winning, like sort of the first half of the match. He's like, "Huh, Garrosh's health is going down faster than mine. Clearly, I'm the superior player." But <laughs> I mean, the second half of that fight goes. Garrosh stops taking damage at all. And Anubrak's still taking the same amount of damage over and over again. And like Anubrak just always ends up um, sc scurrying away. Mm -hmm. Yep, very, very true. Very true. All getting, all getting locked down by one of Garrett's many, many uh, bullshit abilities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, with these changes, I do think that Garrosh might be left a little unchecked, which is a little scary, but hopefully you have a good Diablo player and you can still, you know, do the chests, do the fire stomps um well enough to be able to uh control everybody i suppose and keep garrosh in check a little well no i think um garrosh's counter is not in the tanks i think garrosh's counter is in the um mages mm. combo mages 
Yeah, very true. Because if you burst him while his armor's still low, then it it's applied afterwards. So yeah, I d I tend to agree. Yeah, so it, it's mostly that you're just countering him with the wrong class of champion. Um, mm. If you're trying to counter him with a tank. Mm. All right. So, and so there's also a hunter nerf. Oh yes, there was a hunter nerf. Sorry, I did forget about that. Um, so he got his basic attack range reduced. Yep. Um, and also the range on his leap reduced. So his trait now you have to be a little bit closer to the wall to leap over it. Mm. He said he can't. He can't effectively teleport anymore. No, <laughs> no, he can't effectively teleport. That's right. Um, but it so it does take him a little bit longer. He's a little bit closer to. You. So um, it is a little bit of a nerf in that respect. They didn't really touch any of his talents, as far as I could see. Yep. But um, but yeah, it was still it's still a pretty big nerf. He can't just like do the whole um, do the whole chromey thing and shoot arrows from all the way back there. He does have to be in a, a lot closer if he wants to do his full damage combo. Mm -hmm. Cool beans. Yeah. All right. All right. So. Without further ado, I think we are going to go into what's been happening on the esports. So last week, um, we falsely said that the um, the brawl, the mid-season brawl, is going to be on. That's not on until June, my good friends. Oops. <laughs> yep, yep. It's not on until June. There's a pretty uh, long wait for that. Um, so I think um, we're just going to talk a little bit about what happened during the Crucible. So. Um, as far as North America goes, it was No Tomorrow versus um, King's Gambit. Mm -hmm. And from what I could see, it was quite um, quite a very competitive series, actually. And unlike last time where I lied, this one actually did go to seven games. Oh, cool. So uh, there's King's Gambit, King's Gambit coming in for, to try and dethrone No Tomorrow? So they tried. But um, yeah. <laughs> but um, in the last game, they were on um, Battlefield of Eternity, and um, No Tomorrow just mm -hmm. just had them. You know, they put up a really valiant fight, but in the end, I think the experience of HGC really um, put No Tomorrow where they were meant to be. Man, um, yeah, they uh, really, yeah. So that as far as North America is concerned, there's no new teams in the HGC. We're still with the same teams that we were left with before this. Uh, for this part. Sorry, King's Gambit. Better luck next time. Yeah, better luck next time. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to mention were some interesting picks. Uh, if you have a look um, at the heroes that were being picked during the series, there was a lot of Sonya being played, which I thought was particularly okay. cool. Yeah, she's she's back in e a little bit. She's an, she, uh, she's an EU hero. Oh, really? She's in a lot of you. Ah, yeah. So I think it's across the board then. Um, I did see a couple of Falstad games. Yeah. Oh, hey, Falstad. Um, yeah, Falstad. So the the cross map plays are back, or? Yeah, I think um, people are really looking for um, for good globals now, and one of them is obviously <laughs> Tahaka. Uh, and I think people just wanted a bit more of a safe laner, so they they were picking the Falstad. Yeah, Falstad. Falstad gets. Uh, Falstad's a good all-rounder for that. It's sort of a combination between uh, combo mage, and he can be anywhere on the map, and mm. he can re reposition the entire enemy team. Yep, very true. That is which uh, is yeah. <laughs> somewhat powerful. Yeah, a little powerful. 
Um, but the big one, the big one that I thought was cool was that there were at least two, three games where Uther was picked as a solo support. That's Wait, solo support? Yes. Solo support? So how does that work? So uh, he just heals everybody with his healing spells. He has two of them. Well, yeah, obviously, but what's the <laughs> um, what's a team composition to support that? So uh, it was... Mostly when you pick an Uther, the team composition to help out with that were uh, things where you want to win the fight really quickly. Uther obviously doesn't excel in fights that go for very long. Um, and so you want to pick him in one of two scenarios. When your team wants the quick blow up or the target like the ETC, the Genji, which was also pretty popular, to go in and just wreck, wreck face or gray main or something. Or what I think he was being chosen for is... The absence of Lunara on the enemy team and the enemy team wanting to pick a target and blow them up. Uther is very, very good at the short fight. He's very reactive and is able to save people like, you know, like nobody's business. He has a cleanse, he has armor when he heals you, and he has the D shield. So if you're in a, a game where it's all about the blow up, where you want to protect a particular target, um, then Uther's mm. the guy for you. Also, for cheesing the fucking Dragon Knight, he's good at that too. <laughs> yeah, he's good at that as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think the team compositions were centered around really short fights or really short team fights, and that's why I think he was picked um, predominantly. Is that um, it was all about trying to get the blow up on one particular target, and there was a lack of consistent damage. That makes sense. Mm. So yeah, so it, it was quite happy, and I was just really happy to see some support diversity, um, and that's even uh, before the nerfs that were coming. So you know, it just <laughs> it just made me smile. I was just yes, not not Stuka of a Malfurion, and and <laughs> no I, I really like this. Yeah, all over the field. yeah, Florianus is everyone. And yeah, and 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 yeah, that, that and I uh, I just really like Uther as a support. I. I think I played him a couple of in a couple of games last week, and it was just really, really fun to like have a go at that guy. So yeah, it was very, really good to so, see. So, um, were you seeing much uh, bruiser action with Uther? Because you sort of you get a pretty beefy dude when you pick an Uther healer. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, it, he was actually running a few double support comps uh, a couple of weeks before that in the playoffs in <laughs> in NA, but um. They almost like ran him as like a second tank as like a bruiser. So um you do yeah. you do see that a little bit. Um, especially if he takes holy shock. Um he can mm -hmm. do some pretty insane one v ones. And I think there was a game Love those Joey where like Uther killed both of us. Yeah. <laughs> no, he got a triple kill. He didn't just kill two people. <laughs> yeah, he killed he killed, he killed us people. two and this other guy. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um but no, to, to be fair, there was actually a Uther Abathur as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, he had enough, yeah, he had enough um, of the hat. That that'll be our excuse. Sure, that's why we lost two V one to an Uther. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um anyway man, what's what's uh, what uh, happened over in the uh, EU dude? So we had Diamond Skin proving why they belong in the HGC. Versus worst positioning, uh -huh. whose positioning wasn't the reason they lost. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Mm. Their positioning wasn't terrible, but the, but their name is worst positioning. Um, so it was a pretty dominant series for Diamond Skin. Um, we had Sonya was pick ban. Um, 
And other than that, nothing really too interesting except for a distinct lack of Phoenix. I think um, EU has learned their lesson from watching the playoffs that Phoenix uh, doesn't work in this region. Oh, so he's not the be-all and end-all. He is not the be-all and end-all. Although, actually, I think he was picked in game two. I, I apologize. So, my analysis goes into what was Diamond Skin doing that West Position being... What was Diamond Skin doing that West Positioning was sort of failing to do? Mm. Or how was or what was West Positioning doing such that Diamond Skin was effectively able to counter it? I'm I, I'm like analyzing it from this level. And effectively well, from what I saw, Diamond Skin and West Positioning went into every game with equal strategies. Like, they both, like when I watched the Volskaya, which was the first game, mm -hmm. uh, they both went in uh, five-man man mode all, all in the middle. And then they sort of branched off two side laners exactly the same time. And they had decent side laners, uh, Thrall versus Sonya. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So... And it was sort of a subtle thing, but what they did was, and I'm not sure of this guy's name because because I, I don't have his. Um, I think it's no the 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 Saturn one doesn't have their um, doesn't have their player names unfortunately. But the thrall player, he was either being countered effectively or he was a weak link on the t uh, on the team. Like it's really hard to tell. Yeah, right, right. It because, is hard to tell you know, when you're if watching. Because, you, yeah, because if you pull your resources on countering a player, they're going to look bad. But does that mean they're a bad player, or does that mean that they're actually the strongest player and, like, his team wasn't effectively supporting him? It's That's sort of the hard thing to say. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. Um, but basically, the whole game was about shutting down uh, worst positionings, bottom uh, side laner. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter what this guy played, they just always, like every game, whether he's playing Thrall, he's playing Malthale in game two, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get a bit into how they started trying to counter this in game three, four, and five. But it was all about shutting this guy down, because as long as they shut this guy down, the domino would fall uh, in Diamond Skin's favor, and worst positioning would eventually lose a team fight that they had to take. Mm, yeah, because they're obviously a person down, right? Yeah, it's well, you don't really get a person down in Heroes of the Storm, but you you sort of get the you, you get the little talent tier advantage by getting the two or three picks early on. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Um, and you and and you sort of you sort of do good execution for the rest of the game, or at least equivalent execution or something that sort of could be countered, but um, you can't counter because you're, you're both even teams, so. Diamond, Diamond Skin played everything to a T, and West Positioning couldn't get back in the game. Like like every game I watched with this with these guys, West Positioning was always trying to get back into the game because they always lost something early, and it was always this player getting counted. Um, and it was always actually I, I will say, it was always a, a very interesting sort of uh, it'd be a gank with. Their tools were typically Garrosh, Sonya, and Genji. 
Hmm. Yeah, right. So people that could uh, go in and deal a lot of damage. Yeah. So so Thrall would be a Thrall or Mouth. They'll be slightly out of position. Uh, Garrosh would just you know sw swing his dick on in. Uh, flip flip the player in an awkward position, and then Sonya goes in a spear for the microsecond stun a while a gig, and then Genji would come in swift strike finish off. Mm. And and that was that was every gank. Yeah, right. So they just were able to execute it really well. Yeah, the, that gank execution, perfect every time. Mm. Um, now, I, I will say, West Positioning, they did, they did start to react to this because they noticed the first two games, like, what's going on here? And the response was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're a player, and you've played two low health pool heroes that die all the time, and you're obviously getting focus. So the response is, play Blaze. Mm-hmm. Which is something you should have been and considering Blaze to start was... off with. <laughs> um, well, uh, so, so, so Blaze was actually banned. Like, like oh, okay. the, they weren't playing Blaze because they couldn't. Uh, it was part of it. But this time Blaze wasn't banned. And they played the Blaze. And it started to work. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't a panacea because they, they lost that game. And it, it was it was largely for the same reason. It's just a, the slow domino. But I could see how much stronger Blaze was as compared to Brawl or Malthale. So it, it really showed you uh, the difference in the draft, basically. Mm. So so another thing was that uh, Rhaegar in the first two games could never get his Ancestral off because Thrall slash Malthale was too squishy, or Hunter was too squishy, or Trace was too squishy. Mm. So, you know, if you're playing Rhaegar and you're thinking about, I'm going to get this cool Ancestral, but all of your allies have squishy zero hit point fucking uh, beta male health pools, what are you actually <laughs> doing? Like, like you're, not, you're not doing your, your main healing tool. Yeah, um, or your main emergency heal but, tool. Yeah, exactly. But when you, when you switch to a comp like they had in game three, which was... Um, Blaze, Gul'dan, ETC, Stukov. Then you can see this healing should be a lot better, and this team should stay alive more. Mm, yeah, well, in that instance, like they didn't, they just didn't take Rhaegar and, and pick the clearly superior Stukov. Am I right? <laughs> Those Floranuses, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, but it it was really interesting to see how. Diamond Skin would use the same ganking strategy against Blaze, and it just wouldn't be as effective. So, like, I'm not saying Blaze is a better champion than Thrall or Malthale. They're, they're obviously situational, which one you should pick. But it was really, it, it was sort of really clear when it's a, uh, it's not exactly the player's fault. It's sort of the team composition fault, where they're, where they're not picking the right guy into the situation, or they're not thinking ahead into. How is this laning phase actually going to look against this composition? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's always those games where, you know, we say lose it in the draft, right? Like, where people mm. just, you know, instead of drafting, you know, um, things that, that they know will be effective or complement their team, um, they, they pick things that are easily counterable or don't work or they don't have a bit of, like, uh, what is it, foresight? Mm, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, so that's that, that's more or less what I want to say about this. Um, Diamond Skin proved why they are a good, <laughs> why they are in the HTC and why West Positioning is not. Mm. Um, West Positioning can definitely, they can definitely win next time. Um, they just have to fix a few things. They have to, they have to really look at. I mean, I, I think if I was the coach, I would say get uh, faster rotations. Mm. Main thing you have to like if you have a solo laner, um, you have to be willing to sacrifice XP to help your solo laner. And so, like, 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 don't go crazy, obviously, but it's, it's like one of the reasons Thrall slash Mouthheel was dying so much in the, in the first two games was just they would go slightly out of position and it'd be an instantaneous rotation from Diamond Skin and worse positioning would sort of just leave them in the cold. It's like, oh, well, we're going to lose a hero this time, but we'll get him next time. Mm -hmm. But that's what lost them the game. Yeah, it's very true. And I mean, it's always a tough call in that scenario. Like, do you let the person uh, die because they're obviously going to die or do you spend resources trying to help them? Because like, I know that there are a few times where I know that it's like not a good idea to go help somebody, but you know, the enemy just goes, oh, if I could help them. So um, I think, I think it does depend, but obviously if it was a case where they could have made a difference, then yeah, I think they should be rotating a lot faster or, you know, just making sure that they're not out of position. <laughs> Well, the problem is that they were trying to stack their quest, which means they have to be in the lane to get the minions. So, okay. I mean, I, you're either going to have a bad a bad solo laner and get behind an XP anyway, or or you're going to lose a death, which gives you which gives the enemy what um, five percent more XP than you. So it's like whatever. Mm. It's yeah, it, it's true. effectively equivalent. But the the point was he wasn't if able to be an effective solo laner. Because and I feel it was because um, West positioning wasn't rotating to help him enough. Okay. Mm, sure. All right, man. Well, thanks for the insight into that. And you know what? Maybe you will be no the problem. coach of uh, <laughs> of West positioning someday, so you can you can give him some some handy hints. I'll give him some handy hints, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially regarding their positioning. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but but I will say, if you if you want to watch the series where uh, you can see high-level teams executing clear strategies, and like they're just trying to, especially on Tomb of the Spider Queen, actually, because that that was a good one. Because um, you could just sort of see a beautiful execution of the what do you call it, the the, the double spider strategy, where you where you gather up the gems for one spider and then you get the next spider immediately. Oh, uh, a double turn in. Yeah, there's beautiful execution of double turn in. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, by diamond skin so yeah it's hmm. cool, good right. one to watch all right well i'll definitely i'll definitely go check that out all right i think it's time that we move on our good friend christian has been quiet over there for a long time christian are you still there i am still here and i'm ready to talk about the um overwatch league yeah awesome man take us on a journey what's been happening over on the overwatch league well some exciting um matches this last week so obviously it was um week five of stage three um, so we had the, um, the, the title matches, which uh -huh. were very, very good. Um, I encourage you in particular to watch the New York Excelsior versus Boston Uprising. Um, fantastic match. 
Um, so spoilers, uh, New York wins. Oh, um, my, oh god. my god! Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, yeah. I, I, champions. I, I predicted that it was going to be New York. Um, but yeah, some some fantastic games. So um, first first game was on Route 66. Um, New yep. York managed to take that out three to two. Um, nice. They then took the second map on Nepal, so two zero. Um, then on the third map on Voskaya Industries, uh, ended up in a draw. Oh wow, uh, which was interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. It's very rare that you see draws, especially in like um, yeah. pro play, especially on the double assault maps. Definitely. Um, but yeah, they, they New York was then able to finish it up on Numbani, so the fourth map, um, going three two over Boston and winning the um, winning the match. But yeah, fantastic. Fantastic match. I definitely recommend what um, you see some great plays nice. all throughout. Um, definitely so is the, the is the dive meta still pro- is the dive meta still pro- uh, prominent? Well, it's still working on a previous patch, um, so it's all dive meta. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at your your Winston, your Diva, um, your Tra- Tracer, Genji. Winston, Diva, Tracer, Genji. Yep, all that all that good stuff. Um, it, <laughs> as I said last week, it'll be interesting to see um, when the new patch is ad- adopted and changes that brings to the meta but going ahead into um the next stage so stage four um a couple of key matches to be watching this week um so i think first amongst those will be the soul dynasty versus los angeles valiant um primarily for their um to watch the dps players so fletter on soul dynasty soul dynasty um and then agility is on the los angeles valiant um both are fantastic players um Expect to see some awesome plays from both of them. Mm. All right, man. Do they do, do they prefer Genji or Tracer or? Um, well, Fletcher plays a is renowned for for a lot of the different DPS DPS characters. Um, he's able to play all of them cool. to a, to a very high standard. Um, in particular, uh, you know, Widowmaker and Tracer. Um, and Agilities yeah. is just you know, it's the same. It's just great to see the two of them. Yeah, no, it should be good to see. Like, it's 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 really awesome to see these like duels that that happen in the Overwatch League. Like, that was the one thing that I that I really did like about it is that even though some of the picks were pretty similar, it is very very interesting to see how each different player brings um brings to the game and um and how they perform on it. And I think it I think it will be interesting to see some really good really good DPS players or what do they call them damage dealers damage players. Um, going at it in uh, in the um, Overwatch League. I agree. It's it's interesting to see the um, I guess the variations in playstyle, especially on yeah. characters such as uh, Tracer or Genji. Um, you can see some of the the players play much more aggressively, while others will sort of dart around the outside and just go for picks and uh, team fight more mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's a good way to to look at the different playstyles for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other match to watch this week will be the London Spitfire versus the New York Excelsior. Um, so obviously New York coming off the, the stage three win. Um, yeah, coming off the win. An interesting match. And I think um, London uh, in their last few games they've um, they've really shown that they're, they're forced to be reckoned with. Um, I think they've got their their act together a lot more as the um, as this meta has sort of evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Definitely want to watch. They might be the first one to take out New York. Mm, yep, definitely might be with a bit Amazing. of a shake-up. Bit of a shake-up over in the Overwatch League then, eh? But yeah, stay tuned. Mm, all right, man. No, definitely. That will be that will be good to, to watch. 
And I think that's something um, that I might want to start getting back into because I do need to finish my placements off. So I think I, I need some tips from the pros. <laughs> Man, I need all the tips from the pros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Joey, I think you should just like put it on repeat. You know. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Before b before I watch Overwatch, uh, sorry, before I play Overwatch again, um, I actually I actually said in my head I'm going to watch at least five Overwatch League games <laughs> to learn what the <laughs> fuck I'm actually meant to do in this fucking game. <laughs> Instead of spamming Zarya all day and going, "Come to Omnisty," ha ha ha. Well, if you do that correctly at the right time, it can be very powerful. So you know, keep doing that. <laughs> the problem is the no the the problem is Christian. I keep doing that on t when the enemy Zenyatta has a fucking ulti ready. <laughs> So I'll, I'll do my powerful ulti, and he'll just make everybody invincible. I'm like, oh, what did I even do that for? Feels bad. Mm -hmm. Feels, Feels bad, bad man. man. I'm a sad frog. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, speaking of Overwatch, um, Christian uh, has some I, has some information for us for some um, esports at home. Um, what's something? Uh, Taking notes. <laughs> yeah, get get the notepads out. Um, yeah, what are some things that we can uh, bring into our home games, Christian? Well, before talking about that, I just want to touch on the um, the PTR patch that's currently... Um... Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. So, uh, some buffs to Ana. Um, so, specifically, cool. her biotic rifle uh, no longer impacts allies with full health. Oh wow! Which is fantastic. That is. Um, it means you can Ooh, effectively yeah, cool. shoot through. Yeah, you can effectively shoot through. Yeah. Uh, full health allies and and heal the ones in front. So so no more. That was, um, that was so fucking annoying. Reinhardt would always be in the way of my heals. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> There's a guy right behind you. We need to. <laughs> sorry, sorry. All good. Um, and the clip size is also increased from ten up to fourteen. Um, so that'll help as well. You won't yeah, be nice. running out of shots in the middle of a fight. Um, mm. So that's definitely welcome, um, and also nerfs to Brigitte. Thank God. Oh, um, thank so, God for that. Like I said last week, uh, it's just been absolutely de degenerate this last week. Um, but anyway, yeah. her, her rally's maximum harm if it play has been reduced from 150 down to 100. Um, so that'll alleviate some of the power out of that ult and, and mean following an, a, an, a rally, um, it'll be easier to take out her teammates, uh, which will be yep. very much welcome. Um, and her shield yep. bash cooldown has also been increased from five to six seconds. Um, so previously, getting that shield bash stun every five seconds is just very oppressive. Hopefully yeah, this will right. help out a little bit. It is it is a bit it is a bit BS. Like, you know, when it, especially if you're trying to get away, it's just it's almost impossible. Uh from, from Brigitte. She's just always up in your face. Yeah, and I think that this is these nerfs are, are pointing her in the right direction. I think toning down her power level gradually um will mm. uh help to, to slide her into the meta. Um little bit easier than just sort of dumping her in the way she is at the moment. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think I expect Make Brigitte a support, please. Yeah. Well <laughs> stop making um, her a frontline tank. <laughs> yeah. I I, th I think these nerfs will, will continue. Um I, hopefully there'll there'll be a nerf to her damage um and maybe to her shield as well. Um but time will tell. Hopefully this will help a little bit. Mm. Well hopefully it will and Hopefully it'll tone down some of the BS that we've been well that you've been seeing in in your games, man. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially for Reinhardt mains. It's been a, a tough time. Um, and, and for flankers of that. Mm, yep, yep. Uh, Very true. Brigida being able to shut down flankers so easily. It's, um, yeah. Feels bad, man. Yep, feels bad. So now that we've had our hopeful Brigida nerfs, what can we bring to our home games, dude? Our pens have been ready. What, what I've been focusing on this last week um, has been the, the theory behind attacking and defending choke points. Mm -hmm. um, so I've noticed that in lower leagues, um, often, especially if you know, you've know you got the Bastion Cheese or, or Torbjorns or whatever, um, it can be mm -hmm. difficult for teams to actually get on to, get through a choke point and get onto a point. Mm -hmm. um, so basically the key is to, to utilize your barrier tanks or your tanks in general to use them as a shield. So many times I see players jump in front of the barrier and die and then, you know, you're, you're two people down and there's no way that you can take the point. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking more specifically about, like, Temple of Anubis. Like, That's a good there's example, a, there's a really good there's a really good choke point there. Yeah, so Temple of Anubis is a good one. Um, so the way that you approach that particular choke point is you always come up mm -hmm. on the left-hand side. Um, yep. because that will expose you to the least amount of fire. You yep. walk your Reinhardt up just to that doorway to the left so mm -hmm. that your barrier covers the whole choke point and covers um, your team as they run into that left um, yep. left hand entry. Um, then you drop your barrier and follow in your team. Um, move as a team all the time and mm -hmm. uh, never hesitate. So as soon as you start going in, you don't stop. Yeah, uh, you sure. just keep the momentum going. Um, and the theory behind it is you just roll over the enemy and knock them out of their <laughs> position um, yeah, so sure. quickly that they can't, you know, they can't react to what you're doing. Um, but it, it's amazing to see how um, little this is done in, in a, and how difficult people find. Hmm. Well, I think in a pickup game scenario, it is really, really difficult to, you know, get five, five or more people doing the exact same thing at the same time. Like, I find it really difficult to coordinate with my team. Like there's always a time where, you know, uh, I'm, I'm on like a shield tank or I'm on a tank and I'm like, all right, I'm in, let's go forward. And then everyone is just like, you know, squirreling around doing like absolutely nothing. And, um, you know, or dying. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or dying. And it, it is, it is really frustrating. So is there any like, um, tips to, um, to getting your team to like, to, to back you, to follow you into battle? Well, I found in competitive specifically, um, making use of your voice chat. So if you are playing the Reinhardt or the tank, um, just vocalizing it, say, um, let's go up the left-hand side. I'll put my barrier down. Um, once it's down, run through the, the, um, the left-hand passageway and we'll go from there. Um, so just vocalizing that, or if you don't want to talk, just typing it in chat, trying to put down a plan, you know, during the, um, uh, during the, the get ready stage of the, the match. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, it, if they don't listen then you know, if they die, you can point it out to them, you know, let's, let's try my way. And if it fails, we can try your way. Um, sometimes though, you know, just with pickup groups, there's, there's not much you can do. You, you might get the, the double sniper duo that will just won't follow you and will just keep dying at the top of the choke <laughs> and you know, yeah, just got to do the best you can and work with what you have. Yeah. But the thing is, though, if you um, 
if you do coordinate and if you do sort of play effect play effective strategies, then on average you'll win more games than you lose. That's what I. Oh, definitely, to. definitely, and just having a, an effective tank and healer in your group, even yep. in quick play, um, it makes all the difference. Um, so, so I'd encourage anyone that is going into games and finding they're losing a lot, look at your team composition, um, and you know if you need to be the person that plays the tank or plays the healer, do that because it'll give you a much, much greater uh, chance of winning that game. So I've actually wanted to ask you, um, I quite like Zarya as a champion, um, but she never really seems to fit into any sort of meta, but like I feel that she's strong when I play. And I, I can't vocalize why, but um, do you have any thoughts on how Zarya um, can, fit into, can fit into play or...? Well, Zarya actually fits into the current meta really, really well. Um, so she is the most commonly picked off tank to complement okay. a Reinhardt at the moment. Um, so she's able to provide those barriers to Reinhardt and simultaneously um, charge her, her weapon. Um, she provides a ranged form of damage, which Reinhardt, um, apart from Firestrike, can't provide. Um, so she works really well there. And she also synergizes really, really well with um, Hanzo, who's being picked really often. So you do her mm -hmm. ulti into Hanzo's ulti, and you can wipe a whole team in one hit. Um, uh, and, anyway, bullshit. <laughs> and obviously, Sorry. Hanzo synergizes with um, Reinhardt's um, hammer down as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah Zari is in a really good place. Um, pick her alongside a Reinhardt and a Brigitte, and uh, should do well. Watch the Elo come rolling in. Well, theoretically. Rolling in. <laughs> All right, so we are running a little bit long, guys. We're already nearly at the hour and a half mark. So I think uh, we'll move on to um, Joey's speciality and uh, see what's happening over in Cryptoland. Cryptoland, okay, cool things are going on as usual. So one thing I noticed when I was browsing through my newsfeed was IBM is actually trying to solve world hunger at the moment with crypto. So one of the funny things going on here is, so obviously you're thinking like, what does like cryptocurrency have to do with world hunger? Well, what we're talking about here is more like, how do you make sure that the people, because there's a lot of money that wants to go into charity. It's not like there's sort of greedy people keeping all their money and like, oh, we don't want to give anything to charity. No, no. There's millions of dollars waiting to go to charity and waiting to solve uh, real situations like farming villages can't get access to clean water. The problem is that generally the countries of the countries around those farming villages or um, other institutions tend to leech the money in the form of uh, middlemen or taxes or some other some other sort of corruption and the other challenge here is that it's very hard to see the supply chain so just because um you have a desire for say clean water doesn't mean that you can accurately determine at each stage of the at each stage of the process that the water is actually clean and Supply chain verification is actually one of the strengths of blockchain, and it's one of the positions where we can get really strong um, advancements. 
And in addition to that, um, you can set up a contract, say, with Ethereum, which says, you know, only pay out this this many Ethereum dollars when the water is actually delivered to the to the thirsty uh, person. So that's kind of cool. And IBM has put that out on a campaign called Challenge Accepted, and it is inspired by the United Nations Envision 2030 initiative, which aims to prove the lives of impoverished and at-risk peoples. Yeah, man, that sounds like a really, really awesome use. Yeah. Um, so the main thing that they want is clean water, and they're issuing a challenge to all available crypto developers to try and do something about the water situation. And the other big news story I have is uh, JP Morgan is, so recently JP Morgan, uh, so they call blockchains DLTs, distributed ledger technology, because when you're JP Morgan, you can call it whatever the fuck you want. But JP Morgan recently lost their DLT, um, their DLT operative or manager or operations vice president of DLT, whatever. They've got some weird fucking corporate hierarchy. So, the, so they recently lost their DLT guy, and she went off to start a Silicon Valley startup. Um, and they've recently hired a new DLT manager, uh, sorry, DLT lead. And they just want to say they're not done with blockchain. They're still totally up for blockchain, and they want to take their their personal blockchain, which is called Quorum. They want to take it into the into this century, and they want many many things but it, it's interesting that despite jp morgan's sort of i guess i call it business setbacks with blockchain they're still heavily invested in the space and mm. and they really want to see it work so that's cool yeah sure i mean they did they did invest some time into it so you know they'd, they'd obviously want to have yeah. some return on investment yeah and the only other story I have that's sort of interesting for us, and I, I, I'm literally only saying this because I'm, I'm like repping Australia here, <laughs> but we have a Department of Home Affairs, apparently. It's one of the many, the many departments in the Australian government. And they've just issued a submission to a committee, uh, part of a subcommittee issued by a committee. <laughs> uh-huh. And they've, they have said in their issuance, uh, quote unquote, blockchain could play a role on reducing trade documentation and associated costs, as well as reducing delays associated with errors in the movement of paperwork. Mm. So um, Australia is all in on blockchain. That's how I read that. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, sure. All in. They're all in, <laughs> but no. Um. So, so basically, obviously, they're talking about uh, moving, because really, one of the main key advantages of Ethereum is that you can run code on the blockchain, which means that you can point legalese documents um, to a code set, and the code set and the legalese documents sort of match up in this weird way that you can make sure that the docu the legalese documents are executed with less paperwork. So it, instead of going through sort of rubber stamp rubber stamp departments, it simply has to go through a code base instead, which everybody trusts because everybody has a mm. Yep, yep. 
Yep. So that's um that's all for crypto talk at the moment. Okay, man. Well, sounds like there are some more interesting developments, and um, it's good to see that um australia is taking some steps to try and modernize the, uh what they're doing and try to eliminate some paperwork so yeah exciting and we um so j uh, j just to be clear we spend millions and millions on paperwork uh, and it's just it's literally just part uh, passing paper from one department to another so uh, and any any amount of money that we save on paperwork can go straight into the pockets of poor people instead mm. Or you know anyone that needs it, mainly poor people. Mainly, well, I mean, I mean, if I think about what I want to pay taxes for, I want to pay taxes for um, helping the less fortunate in Australia. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sorry, and also you know health and infrastructure. So, so, but my my main priorities, none of these is like bureaucracy <laughs> i don't pay taxes to like keep a, keep a bureaucracy going. yeah yeah so that you know so that someone can print a piece of paper that can be passed around 10 times yeah yeah exactly okay well that's it for you man i think that just wraps up our show all right cool beanies so um like we said last time um all of our our episodes of this podcast can now be found over at johre.com slash chilled. So you can go check that out as well as a whole bunch of different, um, different things that are happening over in the blizzard world. Some, um, some blizzard, um, uh, some private, uh, content creators, I find the weather, uh, private content creators, <laughs> as well as some other things that are available over at johre.com at the moment. Um, you can also find this podcast um, on iTunes and TuneIn. So go in there. You can go subscribe, get our podcast uh, every week. Um, if you want to send emails to the show, we do have an email that's chilledpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, as well, we have a Twitter that's chilledpodcast at chilledcast. So that's where we're going to send out any broadcast or any information about when we're going to be recording or when we're going to be publishing episodes, as well as if you want to contact the show um so joey where uh where can people uh find you on the internet obviously you can find me at jhray.com where you will find my current sort of passion in its <laughs> infant form um pretty soon you'll be able to log into jhray.com you'll be able to register your very own username and password do not lose your password because you will not be able to recover it you'll have to send me an email personally and i will have to remake your user in the in the database <laughs> yep it sounds very uh, professional and sophisticated. Um, very professional and sophisticated. You'll be able to log in, but logging in does nothing. It displays your name in the top right corner. <laughs> <laughs> very useful. Very useful, but uh, it's sounds like it, a worthwhile it, endeavor. It, it it's a worthwhile endeavor. It um it, it it'll get better. Well, you know, the first stage is logging in. Second stage is doing something when you. I've got to get the login bit working right with and i'm going to get uh facebook authentication google authentication and twitter authentication so you don't actually need a user account with me you can just use your social media to log in Ooh, oh. very cool very cool all right um you can uh find me i'm on twitter at overteen gene so if you ever want to uh ask me a question find anything about me that's the best place to go and contact me and that does come to the very, very end of our episode. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you, Joey. Thank you very much, Eugene. Yeah, and thank you, Christian, for joining us in this episode. 
Thank you. Pleasure as always. Yeah, pleasure as always. Uh, so for me, take care, everyone. Stay easy, stay breezy, guys. Late as all. <laughs>